Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to uh, another Sunday, a new series. We are kicking off uh, a brand new series this morning and uh, over the next six weeks, Uh, We're going to be looking at something that's going to help us uh, really line up our lives as Christians uh, with what Jesus has asked us to do. And so it's going to remind us that, uh, really remind us of what we've been called to, what every Christian has been called to in history. And so if you're like wondering, oh, what's God's overall plan for my life right now, uh, today, next week, uh, the week after, this month, next year, whatever, then stick around for the next six weeks because Jesus has told us what that is all about. Uh, friends, we're calling uh, this series The Great Commissioning. Uh, And uh, why don't you go ahead, grab your Bible. We're going to turn to Matthew 28, uh, starting at verse 16. As you turn there, let me just say, like, what's happening uh, before this is uh, Jesus has died. He's risen again. He's gathering his disciples. He's about to leave them. He's about to go back to heaven. Uh, And then he's got some some few words for them before he does. So why don't we read those uh, together? Let's uh, just bring up the text for you. Here you go. So Matthew 28. 16 to 20. Uh, Then the 11 disciples, uh, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Uh, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that bit. Some doubted. He's about to give them the Great Commission, but some of them, he's going to give the Great Commission to the doubters. Then Jesus came to him, uh, came to them and said, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always, Hope Church, to the very end of the age. Just love that um, that last promise. Uh, if if you're not familiar, uh, friends, with this passage, it's known as the Great Commission, and just want to sort of sum it up for us so that we have an overview of 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 it at the start of this new series. Uh, basically, Jesus' command to us is to go. It's to go. It's it's not to just expect people who are far from God to come to us. We're to go everywhere. intentionally as as we go about our normal life we're we're looking for those that God is calling to himself and when we find them we're to disciple them and then as they decide to follow Jesus we're to baptize them and teach them to obey to obey what well everything that Jesus has taught us and that includes the great commission Jesus plan for us as people who have experienced his wonderful saving grace is that our response should be one of joyful obedience Hey, friends, the love of Jesus should propel us out to find those seeking God. God's plan, this great commission, is for his disciples to make disciples that go on to make disciples. Our faith, you see, is it's meant to leave a legacy of multiplication. That's what the great commission is really all about. And each week we're going to uh, be looking at in this series, we're going to uh, dig deeper, as it were, into different parts of this Great Commission. And today I want to focus on just the first bit where Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has all authority. Now, I don't know about you, 
but for many in our sort of church, uh, in our in our in our culture, not just church, in our culture today, uh, that word authority can kind of make us feel a bit uncomfortable. Maybe recoil a little bit. You know, we don't like the idea always of 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 having people who are in authority or having someone in authority in our lives or someone telling us what we have to do or us having to obey someone. And if we're not careful, we could start this series with a kind of a skewed understanding of what godly authority really is. Now, unfortunately, you know, some of us have been hurt at one point or another by people who have misused authority, uh, sadly, even within the church. And, you know, listen, just let me say this as one of our leaders in this church. If we've ever hurt you, if we've ever misused uh, authority in our leadership if if you think we might have blind spots as we as we lead this church then please help us like come and let us know uh, we want to make space for those healthy conversations uh, in this area where we can seek forgiveness if it's needed because godly authority friends is never about seeking to control it's never about control godly authority is about blessing it's about protection God, authority doesn't imply superiority, rather humility, responsibility, accountability. Let's not recoil from godly authority. Godly authority is a good thing. In fact, it's a gift to us. And when Jesus sends his disciples out into the world, he, he gives them authority. If we were to nip back in the story to Matthew chapter 10, we'd see that in that chapter, Jesus sends his disciples out into a village and before he sends them, it says this, it says he gave them authority. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease, to bless and to protect. And as followers of Jesus today, we carry his authority too, but how much more so since the Holy Spirit now lives in us. But the danger for us as Christians is that we could try to live out this great commission, the going, the making disciples, the teaching them to obey, without really understanding the godly authority that Jesus has given to us, friends. There's a reason that Jesus starts the Great Commission with all authority has been given to me. It's because the Bible, it talks about us being in a, in a spiritual battle. And we must understand our spiritual authority if we want to be effective in that spiritual battle. Jesus understood. He understood the spiritual authority that he'd been given. And the question is, is do we understand the spiritual authority that we've been given. And to answer that, uh, we need to understand where we fit into the bigger story. So let's just zoom out uh, for a moment and look at the big story of the Bible just for a moment. So a quick fly through of the Bible. All right, so this is, the, this is really the message of the Bible. And it starts by knowing this. God is good. He's a good father who created a good world. He created a physical world. There's land, the sea, there's animals. There's even animals like the duck-billed platypus. Like that is a cool animal, like a fluffy thing with webbed feet and a duck's nose. That is good. He created good things like plants that even give us chocolate. Whoops, let's go back on. Chocolate plants, that's good. He made good physical things, but there's also another reality. It's a spiritual reality. There are angels. There are demons. There's a spiritual reality in life that we're not always aware of. But there's something that God created that exists in both of those realities. Do you know what it is? It's you. <laughs> it's me. It's us. People exist in both the physical and the spiritual reality. 
The Bible tells us that part of the spiritual reality, it rebelled against God at one point and it, it went its own way. And then mankind decided to rejoin that rebellion, uh, to join that rebellion against God too. The men and women decided to go their own way, not God's way. And because of that rebellion into the good world that God made with its platypus and its chocolate plants came brokenness and evil and things like tomatoes and celery. I'm pretty sure they're part of the fall. Does anybody want to agree with me? Tomatoes are evil? <laughs> I think so. But seriously, the world became, became broken, pain, tears, deception, death, and ultimately separation from a good and perfect God of love. But because of that love for us, into that mess came Jesus, God himself, and he has all authority. He brought authority to bring life, to restore, to bring wholeness back to this world. And he did that by dying on the cross and then coming back to life. Then he began to do this. He began to release those who believe in him, people he had restored, his disciples. He began to release them into a world saying, all authority has been given to me. Now go and do the same. Carry on what I've started. Go multiply. Go and advance my kingdom. And he's still saying the same thing to each of us today. That's where we fit into the big picture. You and I carrying the highest authority in heaven and on earth to go and make disciples that go on to make disciples. But don't forget that we are in a physical and spiritual reality. In Matthew 8, there's another story of a time when Jesus and his disciples found themselves in a spiritual battle. And the story goes a little bit like this. Uh, one day, Jesus, he said to his disciples, hey, friends, let's, let's go get in this boat and let's go to the other side of the lake. And his disciples, they follow that command and they get in the boat and they're going. And they're going from the west side of the lake where Jesus has been sharing the good news and healing people. And they're going to the eastern side. It's a new region. The people were uh, on that side were slightly different culture. They hadn't heard yet either the good news of Jesus. Uh, and that's where they're going. Jesus, that's his, mission. that's his mission. And when the boat gets to the middle of the lake, this huge storm blows up. The wind is howling. The waves are towering. The boat is about to sink. And the disciples turn to Jesus. And in a moment of fear, they shout, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. It's high drama. And Jesus, he looks at them and he says, oh, you little faith, why are you so afraid? And he just calmly gets up, he speaks to the wind and the waves. He says, stop. And the seas become calm. The disciples, they're like, what just happened? They look at Jesus and they say, what kind of man is this? Like, even the wind and the waves obey him. And the boat, it gets to the other side of the lake completely safely. They step out onto dry land. But you know what happens next? The first person they bump into is a demon-possessed man. I mean, the storm didn't overpower Jesus's authority, but maybe this demon will. Nah. Read it later in Mark 4. It doesn't. Jesus, he casts out the demons. He makes this broken man completely whole again. He frees him. It's a, a wonderful moment in the story. He restores him. He does what Jesus does. And what is helpful about that story for us is that it reminds us that when we start to follow Jesus, we need to be alert to spiritual resistance. You see, Hope Church, if we intentionally go after obeying the Great Commission, we need to be alert to spiritual, to, to spiritual resistance. We need to be alert, but not afraid. Say it with me, alert, but not afraid. Turn to someone else and say, alert but not afraid or stick it in the chat type alert but not afraid this is important 
because Jesus has all authority. Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth. Now, often, I don't know about you, but I can get really excited. I get excited about starting a new adventure with Jesus. I think, yay, this is so exciting. We're on the boat. It's sunny. We're with Jesus. We're on a mission to the eastern shore. This is great. It's going so well. And then, bam, the storm hits. Perhaps the storm of sickness hits or the storm of discouragement hits or, or the storm of being bullied for your faith. Whatever it is, the adventure suddenly becomes tough. And at that point, we can end up thinking, well, maybe we should turn the boat around. But the reality is, is that is not that is not what Jesus did on the boat in our story. No, he, he said, do not be afraid. And then spoke to the storm as one who had all authority. He modeled something for us. You know, I, I, I heard someone once say that ships are safe in a harbour. But that's not where ships, what ships were made for. Ships are safe in a harbour, but that's not what ships were made for. You know, ships are made, aren't they, to withstand the worst storms for the sea they were designed for, not for the harbour. I used to do a lot of canoeing when I was in my 20s. And I know that my canoes, they were designed for the worst the river could throw at them and they never sank. But the boats, like those big ships of the sea, they're designed for the big seas, aren't they? And they're designed to survive those seas, worst storms, the, the worst storms that that sea can throw at them. And it, it's kind of the same spiritually for us. When you follow Jesus, the enemy will try to resist you. But the reality is you are made for this commission. In Jesus, we are made to withstand the spiritual storms and the battles that hit us along the way. And he promises to be with us in the storms. He says, surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. Do you believe it? Ask yourself, how, how would I react? How do I react when I'm faced with spiritual battles? How, how did the disciples react? How did Jesus react? Did you notice they both faced the same storm on the boat, but they reacted very differently? The disciples, they're full of fear in their minds, but Jesus, he's completely opposite. You see, the danger at this point for the disciples was not just an external physical danger of, you know, the danger of sinking, of drowning, although that was real. The, the greater danger was an internal spiritual battle, the battle for their minds. The, the enemy will try and sow lies into our minds in, in moments like these to distract us, to stop us, to see if he can turn us away from obeying Jesus. And I've struggled with this recently, even you know, over the last few months, but even yesterday, as I was preparing this preach, you know, for, for me, I, I've... As I've tried to listen and say yes to Jesus, to, to obeying you know, this great commission it, it, it more deliberately in my life, the enemy has tried to sink me with lies, lies like this in my thinking. Hey, Pete, who do you think you are? Who do you think is going to listen to you? That plan is it's going to fail. It won't last. Hey, Pete, if you try and speak to that stranger, that you're going to upset them. Can you really do this? Can you really keep this up? I mean, who'd follow you? Admit it. You're the only one who wants this. No. Maybe I'm not the only one here who knows what it's like to set out to follow Jesus and ends up having thoughts like that. What happens when that happens? Do you recognize it? Do I recognize it for what it is? Because spiritual resistance i found isn't always that obvious. I mean, the physical reality is obvious, right? The big waves, the howling winds, 
the disciples they they were focused on the physical but they missed the spiritual battle the that was going on in their minds but jesus he spots the spiritual resistance and that's why he rebukes the physical reality the storm because there's a spiritual reality behind it now not every storm is a spiritual storm i mean has anyone tried rebuking north yorkshire rain this weekend like it's not working so far certainly for me but sometimes we get so focused on the physical storms in our lives that we can miss the spiritual battle that may be behind it. Uh, so as we follow Jesus in this great commissioning, how can we be alert to the spiritual battles, but not afraid? Alert, but not afraid. Here's how we stay alert. If you want to be alert, you need to know where your authority is in Jesus. Uh, where sorry where your authority in Jesus is likely to be contested we want to be alert to whereabouts that authority may be contested and a good way to know that is to look at where Jesus's authority was challenged in the gospels and there's four main uh, four main areas uh, that we see uh, Jesus's authority challenged uh, time and time again and so we can expect the same as we follow Jesus first of all then uh, his his identity his identity uh, think about when Jesus was first born what happened you remember that story that king herod he he kills all the babies uh trying to destroy jesus uh, the devil was trying to wipe out baby jesus before he was a toddler it's a physical attack by herod but it was a spiritual attack by the enemy later when when jesus is baptized right after jesus hears his father god remind him of who he is do you remember that story you're my son whom i'm well pleased like speaking about who he is Jesus then tempt, uh, is tempted by the devil, isn't he? Uh, 40 days in the desert, he's hungry, he's tired, it's physical exhaustion, but there's a spiritual battle for his identity going on. So what does this mean for us? Well, when things are just beginning, identity is often challenged. We need to be alert, but not afraid. And for me, what that looks like is I'm cultivating a habit of asking myself in those moments, Pete, are you going to believe those lies or are you going to push back and get some spiritual momentum? And I'm training myself to speak to my spirit often out loud. It's not true. The father loves me. I've got authority in Jesus. I believe I've been commissioned. I'm following Jesus on a mission I made and I'm authorized by Jesus. I'm not going to let fear get hold. I'm not going to allow doubt to creep in or discouragement. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm going to trust him to bring me through this storm. It's a battle to do that sometimes. It's hard. It was hard yesterday afternoon as I had to say those same things to myself. But we are made to speak the truth. We have the minds of Christ. His peace comes in the middle of the storms when we speak like that. When we invite him into our lives in that moment, we have Jesus' authority to win the battle. Now, we haven't got time to look in depth in all the areas where Jesus had his authority challenge, other than to just highlight them briefly for us. Uh, so here they are. Be alert, but not afraid. Anytime uh, we're in the business of seeing people set free. Be alert, but not afraid. Anytime we are challenging popular thinking in our culture. Be alert, but not afraid. Anytime we're taking the good news into new places, new towns, new homes to those far from God. Jesus was challenged in each one of these areas. And now if we're following him, we can expect the same. And friends, this is meant to encourage us, right? The enemy leaves alone those who are not a threat to his plans. 
Now, of course, we don't go looking for suffering. And I want to make this point. This is an important point. I want to make this point again. Not all storms in life are spiritual storms. Some are just storms. The world is broken. Other storms, though, are actually the consequences of bad choices we make in life. Being in that place, right? Consequences of our bad choices. But what I am saying is this. I, I don't. So, yeah, what I'm saying is this. Don't blame every trouble in your life on a spiritual attack. But if we are confident that we are following faithfully Jesus and we hit a storm as we journey with him, we hit persecution, we hit hardship, temptations, even the threat of death, then be encouraged because you're probably headed in the right direction. Be alert, but not afraid. Jesus is with us. But how do we practically take this? Uh, What do we do do this week practically when we recognize uh, that perhaps our spiritual authority is being challenged? What if we find ourselves, for example, mocked at work or at the school gate for challenging the popular culture of gossip in that place? What if we find ourselves teased at school for not following the crowd because, hey, you follow Jesus and so you're not going to swear? Maybe you're not going to get drunk like the rest of the people. You won't sleep around like your mates do, perhaps. What if you've given your life to Jesus, but thoughts of the old way of life still come back to tempt you this week? What if you're the person who feels like they've given everything up right now to follow what Jesus has called you to, but life is hard physically, financially, emotionally, and you're tempted just to turn the boat around? What do we do in moments like that? Well, here's three things uh, that are going to help us. Firstly, let's do what the disciples did. Call on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him, friends, and just be honest. I cry out like they they did. Lord, help us. It feels like we're drowning. I cry that. I cry that prayer. It's a good prayer. Jesus, help. Just come to him honestly. And I want you to make note of this. You don't have to know lots about Jesus or even have your faith all sorted to ask for his help. The disciples didn't. Lord, save us, they said. We're drowning. But notice how confused they are because... When Jesus saves them, does what they ask, what do they do? They say, who is this? Man, they're confused about who Jesus is. They they ask him for help and then they're confused when he helps them. And I love what that means for us. It's not what you know that saves you. It's who you know in the storm that counts. Jesus is what counts. Jesus' help is all the faith you need secondly remember your calling remember your calling if you read mark 4 uh, later you'll see in this story the disciples have actually been told by jesus to go to the other side of the lake he tells them to if jesus has all authority and his plan is to go to the other side then a storm isn't going to stop him is it even a demon on the other side of the shore doesn't stop him because he has authority in heaven and on earth if you believe jesus has told you to do something that lines up with what scripture says that's important because sometimes we hear wrong but if you believe that jesus told you to do something and it lines up with what scripture says and then a storm gets in the way then remind yourself of why you got in the boat in the first place stir your faith Jesus told you to do it. He has a plan. 
So don't be afraid. Peace, be still, is Jesus' words to your heart and mind in this moment. Finally, I'm aware that some uh, storms feel like they're dragging on and on. Some of us, I know, are battling storms right now, in some cases for years. So Hope Family, we need to keep encouraging one another. We need to be around each other. We need to pray for each other. Romans 15, 5, it says God is the one who gives endurance and encouragement. We need to be praying that for each other. We're part of, we're part of the answer to that prayer for each other. As we face the storms, let's be around each other. It's, let's close ranks around each other. It's what we did last week, wasn't it, for Tidal Church Plant in Vancouver. As they're facing physical storms, sickness, discouragement. But we believe there's actually a spiritual battle behind it because they're taking good news to new places. So we get around them. We pray. We encourage. We engage. Ask yourself, who are you going to encourage this week? Who are you going to pray for this week? Let me just say, if you're not connected in meaningful relationship with other Christians, what are you going to do about it? I'm so encouraged by the number of people that have joined midweek groups. It's not the only place you can connect, but I really encourage you to if you're not yet. But what are you going to do to connect in and build meaningful relationships so we can encourage one another, we can be Christ to one another? We must pray for and encourage each other. Three things. Call on Jesus. Remember your calling. Encourage and pray for one another. Friends, we've been given all authority. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth. We've been given it. Be alert, but don't be afraid.